Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. A couple months ago, we were nowhere close to being able to do anything like this, and then here we are tonight. So isn't, it's not really about what we've done, it's about what God's done. So isn't God good that we get to come together as a youth group again and do this kind of stuff, have dress-up night, be ridiculous, make jokes, be mildly inappropriate. It's exciting that we get to do this again. So um, what I wanted, what I, I don't know that many tags got to this because of the gourd stacking, um, but the, the, the goal was that in your tag, you were gonna talk about some tips. You could share some tips back and forth about how you survived back in the day, in early 2020, how you survived the boredom of like when we were hardcore quarantining. Yeah, you, you really, nobody was really going anywhere. You're kind of in your house a lot. How did you survive that boredom? What are some must-haves if you had, if heaven forbid we're quarantined again, like what are some tips in surviving the boredom? Anybody have any tips? Just shout them out. A Bible, that's a good answer. Knockout pills. <laughs> you know, go into a cryogenic chamber and just sleep through it or something. Uh, do what? Way too much food. Yeah. Anybody else a bored eater? If you're bored, you just eat. Yeah. What's it, Rylan? Okay, video games. So there are, there are things that we, do, we, you, we did, um, you probably did, I did, uh, to survive the boredom of the quarantine. Um, so what we're doing over the next few weeks, uh, we've been doing it, we're still doing it, is we're doing a series called Supernatural, and the series has to do with how to survive normal kind of everyday life. Because life went from being really big to being really boring there for a little while. But what we want to do is help you to be able to see the things that God's doing in your life, even when it feels boring. And we've talked about some things like um, mutation, how God is every day making you and me more like Jesus. We talked about angels and demons, how every day when you wake up and I wake up, whether we realize it or not, we're, there is a war going on um, for our heart and our soul. Last week, it was, remember, it was really heavy. That really heavy lesson we talked about, uh, about life and death. We talked about there's a, there's a way to, uh, to heaven, there's a way to life, there's a way to destruction, there's a way to hell, and, and, and few find the right way. So we talked about how every day we're bumping up against people who are making the most important decision we'll ever make. Tonight is probably the most aggressive lesson title I've ever had um, in my nine-year history of youth pastoring. And the, tonight's lesson is called The Table of Demons. I mean, it sounds like something that's just right out of like, you know, a Halloween movie is that, you know, he's eating at the table of demons. Yeah. And, but would you believe that that phrase is actually in the Bible? Um, the Bible talks about Christians eating at the table of demons. So we're going we're gonna to figure that out. We're going to talk about it. Um, but have you noticed that even though things have reopened, kind of, there's still like, it, it's, it's not the same as it used to be. We call it, it's, to me, it's like a cuss word, but the new normal, have you heard that? I'm not a fan of the new normal. I don't know if you are. Like, I'm just, I'm just not a fan of it. Seemed like before the pandemic, life was really big, and now life just kind of seems really little. But we're going to talk about tonight through the this, this set of verses, and if you can go ahead and turn there if you want, First uh, Corinthians chapter 10, is that, is that even though life was big and now it seems a little bit more, you know, smaller, is that God uses those little things in your life to do big things in your life and the lives of others. And I think what we're gonna to learn tonight is that through those little things that we experience, God a lot of times works even deeper in our life than through those big outlandish events. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're gonna get there here in a second, and I'm used to Drew running my screens and I'm running my own screens. Um, so this is kind of the big takeaway from the lesson tonight. It's that you don't need a platform to make a difference. All you need is a dinner plate. We're gonna talk about one of my favorite subjects tonight. 
we're going to talk about food. Who here likes food? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really know many people who don't like food. So turn to the person next to you and tell them your absolute favorite food. Let's get hungry tonight. You know, what's your absolute favorite food? So, and it can't be anything healthy. Like, it can't be like, like rabbit food. It's got to be greasy. You know, it's, it's got to be, it, be unhealthy favorite food. Okay. So now, now here, here in a second, I want everybody just kind of like shout out their favorite food. Three, two, one, go. I heard loud and clear above all the noise, chicken nuggets. I don't know whose that was, but you, you, you. <laughs> okay. So, so we're talking about food. And when we get into 1 Corinthians chapter 10, what we learn is that just like food is a big deal to us, Food was a big deal to people back then, but for a whole different reason. So we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And before I read these verses, which starts out with the table of demons, um, I want to explain what's going on. The book of 1 Corinthians was written to a church in a city called Corinth. That's where we get Corinthians from. Up here, guys, up here. That's where we get Corinthians from. It was written to this church in this city called Corinth. And this church was what you would call maybe a hot mess. There, was a lot, there were a lot of bad things going on in that church. They were all divided over personalities, kind of like, like, like adults on Facebook right now are divided over political personalities. You know, they were divided over personalities. Um, and they were saying, well, I, I'm for this person and I'm for that person. There was... Uh, there were sexual things going on in the church. There was immorality going on in the church. There were, there were people that weren't married that, that were sleeping together, and there was a big problem with that. Even leaders in the church were doing that. Um, and then they couldn't even decide on whether certain foods were, like, right to eat or whether it was sinful to eat certain kinds of foods. So this church was freaking out. They didn't know what to do. So they wrote a letter to a guy named Paul, who was the one that started that church, but he wasn't living in that city anymore. He was living somewhere else. So they wrote a letter to Paul saying, we got a question about this. We need you to help us with this. We need you to explain this. And the book of 1 Corinthians is Paul's reply to that letter that they wrote to him. So he sent them a letter back, and we have it here. God inspired him to write this letter. These are God's words, but he, he worked it through Paul. And Paul addresses certain things, and if, if, if you were to kind of go through 1 Corinthians, what you learn is that in the, in, in, in the book, every time he addresses a new thing that they referenced in their letter, he says, like, now concerning this, and now concerning that. So this section on food, the Bible devotes three chapters to food, so, you know, God cares about food just like you do. And the, in chapter eight, verse one, it says, now concerning food. <laughs> so there's three chapters on food, but it's not necessarily like, is it okay to eat a Big Mac? Never okay to eat a Big Mac, healthy, long-term, right? But we do it sometimes. But what he's talking about is in, in this church called Corinth, most people were not Christians in the city. Most people were what's called pagans, <laughs> which means that they they had this like religion where they believed in all these kinds of different gods and they go to these pagan temples and they would take with them food. They would take with them meat and they would sacrifice that meat. They bring that meat and they lay it in front of these false gods, fake gods, these idols as they're like trying to appease these idols. And then while they were there, they would also engage in a lot of not good things. They engaged in a lot of immorality. They engaged, that was part of their quote unquote worship to these terrible ungodly gods. So a lot of those people were saved out of that. They believed in Jesus. So now they're trying to decide, is it okay to like 
eat this meat because what they would do is they'd take the meat out of the temple and they'd take it to the market and they would sell it. So you could eat like a T-bone steak that was sacrificed to a pagan God. So they were all divided. Should we eat it? Shouldn't we eat it? I say always eat the steak, you know, but should we eat it? Shouldn't we eat it? You had people who had been Christians for a long time and they knew what the Bible said about, about eating these kinds of food. And the Bible pretty much says it's not wrong to eat this kind of food. And he even gets into that in the, in the in, in the section beforehand, he said, eat what's sold at the meat market without raising any questions about where it is. So it's okay to do that, but the problem was there were some believers when they saw that meat that was sacrificed to idols, they were saved out of that. And you know how like I can still smell certain smells that take me back to things. You know what I mean by that? Like, like I think I mentioned it before, I, I can walk in those Grace Christian School bathrooms and I can just, I, I, I know exactly where I am because that's where I went to school. Like, like there are certain smells that resonate with you, certain sights that bring back memories. And for these, these these people who were saved out of this terrible, fake, immoral religion, when they saw that meat that was sacrificed to idols, automatically in their minds was playing back everything that was going on, everything that used to be a part of their life. So, so the, everybody had different opinions on whether they should eat the meat. Some of the older Christians were like, it's no big deal. Eat the darn steak. It's just from a cow. It moves. <laughs> you know? Then there were some Jewish Christians who were like, hey, that meat's been sacrificed to idols. That's like... Yeah, yeah, uh, lawless meat, don't eat it. And then there were these Gentile Christians who were saved out of this terrible religion and they're like, that's like Satan's T-bone. Probably shouldn't eat that. <laughs> it's bringing back all these memories. So the question they asked, to, they, they asked Paul is, what do we do? At our, at our gatherings, when we get together, should we eat this meat, shouldn't we eat this meat? And it seems like a silly question to us, doesn't it? Like, like we're not in that situation. But Paul writes, through the inspiration of Scripture, writes this back to, to, to these um, Corinthian Christians, and I wanna read it for you. It's on the screen here, too. It says, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake in the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Verse 23 says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you're disposed to go, eat whatever's set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in a sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I don't mean for your conscience, but for his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced for that which I give thanks. And here's the big verse we're gonna focus in on, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to the Jews or the Greek or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So we're gonna look at kind of like four areas that show us you know, their situation was... <laughs> Eating. <laughs> Our situations are eating, teams on Wednesdays. <laughs> um, our situations are waking up feeling kind of groggy. Our situations that seem insignificant are deciding what to wear when you go to school. <laughs> you don't have to decide what to wear when you don't go to school. You know, you just stay in your PJs all day. Um, but, we have these little decisions that we think don't matter, but the first thing I think we're gonna learn is that God cares about the little things we do and the big things. 
But I want to focus on the fact that God cares about the little things that we do. Sometimes we do things in our, and, and they just don't seem like they're important. Sometimes I look back at my day and I think, I really didn't do anything that spectacular. You know, I look on my Instagram and these people are in like Fiji. You know, these people are this like rager with like 300 people. And I'm on a Friday like sitting alone at home playing well, I mean, I, I'd love to be with you on a Friday night. I'm not saying this bad. You know, sometimes we just feel like our lives aren't that spectacular. I'm sleeping in the couch tonight. Um, but do, do, do you follow what I'm saying? Sometimes we feel like our life is just full of a bunch of little things and everybody else is out there doing big things. But God cares about the, <laughs> the little things too. Look at what it says. We'll go back. I'm gonna use the fancy dancy pencil. So this, because this is the verse that we're really gonna focus on. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all the glory of God. Whether you eat or drink, isn't that just such a silly thing to even think about? How many of you, when you ate dinner tonight or you ate the pizza or the little pumpkin candy thought, I am eating this pumpkin candy to the glory of God. Like most of us did not, most of us did not think that, right? But what, what it says is that God even cares about silly things like what you have for lunch. God cares whether it's pepperoni roll day at school. God cares, yeah, yeah, God cares about what we eat. And then it says, whatever you do. And I looked up whatever in the Greek to see what it actually meant. And you know what it means? It means whatever. <laughs> it literally means like whatever you do, which means think about all the little insignificant things you do. You brush your teeth, I hope. You put on deodorant, I hope. You decide what to wear. You decide what to listen to in the car on the way to school. You decide what to watch on YouTube and on TikTok when you get home and you're chilling after school. You, you make a million little decisions that we think don't really matter, but according to this verse, God even cares about the little things you do. He cares about the big things, but he cares about the little things that you do too. And we need to remember that. I wrote down some little things that we think maybe don't matter. Homeschooling. There's homeschooling and then there's homeschooling. You do, yeah, having to do school at home. And I think everybody falls into one of those two categories this year. Um, and, you know, and, and, and having to adapt to all the virtual learning and all that stuff is, is difficult. God cares about that. Family stuff is important. You know, when, I, when my mom would pick me up from school, she'd say, how was school? And you know what I'd say? Good. <laughs> it didn't matter whether it was good or not. It didn't matter whether I had the best day ever. I just didn't talk about it. What you realize is those little things, those conversations with your parents and time with your family, even though we'd much rather be with friends and we'd much rather be doing this or doing that, matters. Sunday mornings, gathering with people at church, even old people. You need boomers in your life too. Like yeah, gathering together. Homework matters. Deciding what to wear matters. When you're bored, it's 2 a.m. and you can't fall asleep. And what you do matters. Waking up and going to sleep matters. Your meals and your snacks. I'm a snack guy. Your meals and your snacks matter. Chilling after school matters. God cares about the little things, and we forget about that. The next thing is that little things leave a big impact on eternal lives. Remember when I told you that in, um, in, in, in it's chapters 8, 9, and 10 are all dedicated to food? They're dedicated to food, but they're also dedicated to like a principle, an overarching principle, and it's this, that what you do, even with something as insignificant as food, has a big effect on your life and the lives of others. I wanna, sh I wanna show you something in the verses here. 
The first effect that we see that it has, look at uh, verse 24. It says, let no one see, oh, I'm gonna change colors here. What color should I use? Blue. blue, okay. We'll do blue. I've already done pink. It says, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. That means that what we do, even in something as silly as food, it's got, it's got an inward impact. It has to do with the people that are around us, the people that are in our church, our brothers and sisters in Christ, the people that are around us. It impacts us. What we do affects those who are around us. Don't believe me? Look back at, um, at chapter eight. It says this. It says in verse nine, take care that this right of yours does not become a stumbling block for the week. And remember, it's talking about this food and sacrifice to idols. If anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, Will he not be encouraged if his, eye, if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed. The brother for who Christ died. You know the things that we do affect other people? When you have your friend over for a sleepover and you're trying to decide what movie to watch, you're trying to decide, you know, you're, you're, you're watching videos and this and that, you know that maybe that video that you're watching doesn't affect you, and it's not harming you or tempting you to sin or, or, or go sideways spiritually, but maybe it's affecting your friend who struggles with that particular thing that that video or that media that you're consuming is, is, is talking about. What does it say about us then? It says, by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus, it calls it sinning against your brothers and wounding the conscience when it's weak and Sinning against Christ. So you see here in verse 24, maybe instead of asking, can I do this? Does the Bible let me do this? We should be asking, should I do this? And how will it affect other people? The next one we see, what color should I use next? Green. Green. We're doing green, we'll do purple next. The next thing that we see, not only does it have an inward impact, but look at verses 32 and 33. It says, give no, of oh, I'm erasing. It says, give no offense to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. I try to please everyone, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Do you know that the way that we live as Christians is a walking, talking testimony to people who aren't Christians about what it means to be a Christian. That's one of the reasons that we're trying to be very careful, one of many reasons that we as a church and we as a youth group are trying to be very careful during this pandemic season that we wanna be sensitive to our community because whether you believe it or not, this pandemic's gonna, it, it may be over after the, the election next week, but we'll see. This pandemic, that's a joke. This, don't, don't take offense, Jim. I hope you win. No, uh, <laughs> I'm joking, I don't make any endorsements. This pandemic is gonna be over, but the memories that unsaved people have about how Christians acted during the pandemic will outlast the pandemic. So if we're portrayed as not caring, if we're portrayed as brash and rude, does that not affect our witness? We may be right. We have made, yeah, I'm a, I'm a facts and stats guy. You, we may have all the, fat, all the COVID facts and all the COVID statistics, but look at what it says in chapter eight, 
verse one, it says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. It's not just a matter of being right. It's a matter of winning souls to Christ. If, you, if, you're, if you're there and you, got ver- you look at chapter nine, look how many times it says win. I'm a, I like to win. Anybody else like to win? I like to win. There's one thing that we're supposed to win more than anything else, and it's to win people to Jesus. And in verse 19 of chapter nine, it says, though I am free from all, meaning Paul's saying it's within my right to do X, Y, and Z, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. Those under the law, I became as one under the law that I might win those under the law. That's three times. To those under the, outside the law, I became as one outside the law that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became the weak that I might win the weak. And then he says this, I become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Do you see the point here? The point is that Nobody's gonna wanna hear the good news about Jesus if we act like turds. Was that plain enough? (laughs) Do do I need to be any more plain? Nobody wants what we have if we smell stinky spiritually. Nobody cares how much we know. So not only is there an inward impact that we make by the things that we do, but there's a, ah, there's an outward impact. It affects People in the community, it affects the people we're gonna try to reach. But not only is there an inward impact, not only is there an outward impact, I said I do purple, I don't know if you can see it on here, we'll see. Not only is that, but look what, it's, look what it also says. There is an, where can I write it here? There is an upward, can you see that? Oh yeah, you can, good deal. There's an upward impact, there's an upward impact. Look at verse 31, our big verse, it says do all to the glory of God. That means that what we do not only affects the people around us in our circles, what we do not only affects the people that we're trying to reach, what we do also affects our personal walk with God. The beginning of chapter 10 here, see how, remember, chapter eight, nine, and 10, it's all about food, and it's all about the overarching principle of the little things that you do matter. Look at chapter 10, and look what it says. It says here, Therefore, verse 12, anyone who thinks he can stand, take heed lest he fall. It's easy for us to think, I can't believe he struggles with pornography. I can't believe she is so all about herself and so conceited. I can't believe he vote, he's gonna vote for X, Y, Z. I can't believe, it's easy for us to point out all the faults and see all the failures of everybody around us, but it says that we should take heed. We should, we, we should think, because we might fall into this too. So before we act like we're better than everybody else, and before we act like, you know, like we don't struggle with something, we need to look and we need to remember that it says in verse 12, 13, no temptation's overtaken you except that is common to man. But here's the good news. It says, God provides the way of escape that you may endure it. So we see here that, that we're, we were built to glorify God with our lives, but we're tempted just like the people that we're trying to affect that are around us, and we're tempted just like the people outside the world, and we need to be careful that what we do is for the glory of God, even those little things. So do you, do you, do you see that? Do you see that the way this works, first is that God cares about the little things. Why does God care about the little things? Because the little things that we do affect the people around us, they affect the people we're trying to reach, and they affect us. So if you wanna make a big impact, 
You don't need a platform. You need a dinner plate. I wrote a couple things down. As you get older, you think your life's going to get more interesting, and in some ways it will, but then you're going to hit a point where this, this is kind of scary. It's, look, especially you know, knowing some of you guys, it's scary to think about in five years and 10 years, some of you will be married. Isn't that weird? In five to 10 years, some of you may have brought offspring into the world. That's scary. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to get to a point where you're, hold, you, you're, you're going to be holding this, this, this thing that you know, the first like three years of their life, they don't even look human. You're going to, look at the, you're going to hold this thing and it's going to make poopy diaper after poopy diaper after poopy diaper and you're going to be sitting there at 3 a.m., not even be able to see what's going on. You're going to have diarrhea down your arm. Am I getting too descriptive? And you're gonna feel like, and you're gonna feel like your life is so insignificant because you see people out there doing this and people out there doing that, and you're standing there with diarrhea down your arm and a baby screaming at you. It's 3 a.m. and you haven't slept. But you know what? You're doing it to the glory of God. Some of the little things you do, how many of y'all are glad that your mom changed your diaper at 3 a.m. and you don't have eternal diaper rash, right? You are a walking testament that the little things that your parents did made a big impact. And if you flip it around, here's some things that you're gonna get older, boringness of life, you're gonna learn that God can be glorified through moments like connecting with your church family on Sundays, loving your parents instead of ignoring them, changing diapers like I talked about, washing dishes, Writing essays at 2 a.m. Anybody been there? You can, <laughs> you can glorify God. We glorify God whether our life seems radical or whether our life seems boring, whether what we do is inspected or what we do is expected, whether what we do is noticed or what we do is unnoticed. We're living to glorify God. And the gospel makes everything matter. Look at that last verse there. It's actually chapter 11, verse one, but it's part of that same thought. Paul finishes his long talk about food and about doing everything for the glory of God by saying this, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. If you were to study the life of Jesus, you would learn that Jesus not only did the big things, you know, dying on the cross, you know, healing people, you know, that kind of stuff for the glory of God. Jesus did the little things for the glory of God. Jesus got up at 3 a.m. and prayed. Nobody really noticed that. Jesus did the little things for the glory of God. And he's the one that we follow. And because Jesus died for our sins and we have a new life, that means that what we do every day matters, whether it's something as ridiculous as trying to decide whether to wear a hoodie or whether we're a button-up. We can do these things to the glory of God. So I've got a couple more minutes. I wanna go through, I'm, I'm, I shouldn't toot my own horn, but I'm kind of proud of myself. Um, I got more F words tonight and I have six F words. Isn't that a lot of F words? No, I don't, not, I don't. This, is not, this is for the glory of God. 
okay? Not from, and they all come from 1 Corinthians. So now here's not, so, so, here's not what I'm suggesting because somebody's gonna be like, uh, Matt, are you really telling me that I need to have an index card and before I make every decision, I need to run my decision through your like six F words? Your mom's like, take out the trash. Like, hold on, let me check my F words and see if I should do that or not. Like, not how it works, okay? So he... It, Here's, a, here's some good questions to ask to determine if what we're doing, we're doing it for the glory of God. The first is freedom. Is this leading me to spiritual slavery or is this you know, leading me to spiritual freedom? I hate to say it, a lot of people are addicted to this. I know this is not popular to say. A lot of people are addicted to this. Is checking this first thing in the morning uh, and I, I'm not giving you a yes or no question on this. You've got to ask, is checking this first thing in the morning before you even get out of bed leading you to spiritual slavery or leading to spiritual freedom? Look at 1 Corinthians 6, 12 and tell me. The next one is fail. Am I being a stumbling block? You know what I mean by that? Am I causing others to fail by what I'm doing? You know, one of the things that you know, we, we've kind of talked about as, as a staff at our church and we've really kind of felt you know, convicted about is, by if we're not careful with our COVID precautions, does that stop someone who is at risk from attending our church and therefore not being able to connect with God's people? And would we be causing them a stumbling block? That's a hard question. So is, is what I'm doing, maybe it doesn't affect me, but how's it affecting other people? You can look at 1 Corinthians eight thirteen for that one. The next one is flatten. Is this tearing up? Will it tear up or will it build? Tear, tear, you don't tear up. Will it, will it tear down or will it build up? You can think about this with others. Is, is this post I'm making, is it gonna tear down other people's self-esteem? Tear down other people spiritually? Is it gonna tear me down or is it gonna build up? 1 Corinthians 10, 23 talks about that. Father, will this please me? Or will it glorify the Father? I need to tread lightly on this one. But is posting your, don't hate me for this one, okay? Because I'm not making a judgment. You get to make the judgment. I'm just, asking a, I'm just asking questions. Is posting your Instagram post on your story to get people to like it, to please you for the likes or to glorify God? I don't know. You're going to have to answer that question yourself. Next one. Yeah, I told you. I'm just asking a question. I really am. I'm not making a judgment. You get to answer the question. Faith. Is this helping the lost come to faith or is it driving them away? We are, whether you like it or not, we're the, like, we are the billboard for Jesus. First Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 5, 17, or 17 says, we are God's ambassadors. We are the billboard for Jesus. What are we putting on the billboard for Jesus? Is this helping the lost come to faith or is it pushing them away? We talked about that verse, 10, 1033, 1 Corinthians 10, 23. Then the final one is follow. Am I imitating Christ by doing this? 90s and early 2000s youth group kids had a slogan for that that was around our arms. Um, and you know, some of you guys remember it. It was WWJD. Everybody had those bracelets. I mean, it was like the hot thing for youth group kids to have. And the, the bracelet said, WWJD, what would Jesus do? So w probably you know, this would be the, the, the question to ask um, 
maybe before all of them, is this one right here. Am I imitating Jesus by doing this? Would Jesus post this? Would Jesus watch this? Watch this? Would Jesus respond to my parents in the way that I responded to my parents? How would Jesus write this essay? How would Jesus do these dishes? And what attitude would he have? Jesus would like snap his fingers and be done. That's really not fair. But you know, what attitude would he have? Um, Am I following Jesus? Am I imitating Christ by doing this? It says here, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Some versions say it like this. Follow me as I follow Christ. So the first part of that question is, am I imitating Jesus by doing this? I think the second one, and maybe this is even more convicting off of this question, is if someone were to follow me and more people follow you than you think, I'm telling you, more people follow you than you think. If someone were to follow me, would they be following Jesus too? That's the tough one. So all that to say, if you wanna make a difference, you don't need a platform. You don't need to give a Bible lesson. You just need a dinner plate. Whether you eat, whether you drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So let's pray we'll get out of here, okay? Uh, Father, thank you for um, tonight. Uh, thank you that uh, you give us, even in times in our life when maybe it seems a little boring or, or, or just not that exciting. Uh, God, even in those little things like the food that we eat and the, the, uh, the, way that we, uh, the way that we act while we're in our house and the way that we relate to our family, even those things matter and they're important to you. So God, we wanna take those things and we wanna use them to glorify you. We want our life to be a big uh, flashlight that's held on you, a spotlight on you. We want to be spotlight holders on Jesus. So I pray that uh, through the way that we live our lives, even in the simple things, uh, that we will build up our, other, yeah, our fellow believers, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and that we will win lost people to you uh, through the way that we live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.